0: So I'm the one with the problem with it?
1: Yeah.
0: Is that a point that I have missed up until this point?
1: You've missed a lot of points.
0: Okay, yeah, no, I get it. I get it. I get it. I hear that. That's why, that's why I'm asking you to clarify for me. Uh. Sean, this is Natalie, and you're listening to Shenanity. Hi, this is Natalie. Yeah. And you are... Who are you? Say your name.
1: I am Plato Sean. <laughs>
0: Gross. Okay. Um, this is Everybody Needs a Natalie. So, to recap, in 2014, you were dating somebody that I was already friends with. So when you started dating him, you and I became friends. And from the very beginning, you and I clicked. For me, you were a mystery, uh, somebody that I needed to like pick apart and figure out like a puzzle. And to me, you said what about me the very first time we met? What did you get? What vibes did you get from me right away?
1: Rider or die vibes.
0: You say ride or die, I say besties, some people say platonic life partners, some people would call it a lavender relationship because it's a gay man and a queer woman. But those were usually used to like hide behind and ours isn't about hiding, it's just about like the different ways that it could
1: be defined. I don't think I've ever heard lavender relationship before.
0: Um, you're not up to date on your queer history culture (laughs) you cannot pee while we record
1: i'm not peeing um that is wine thank you very fucking much
0: okay you can't pour wine while we record either then you just have to tell me that you're doing it and i'll stop for a minute okay by the time you came into my life i had already established some really solid friendships with a couple of other people like I have a couple of really really good friends people I would call my best friends and you are very solid like you don't let anybody in and you have only ever had three best friends your twin Daniel and me in your whole life that's it right yeah so one of the things that we've been talking about I mean,
1: I've had other friends well I have other friends but they're not like this this close. But yeah, I've, yeah, you're right. I've only had three people. You're
0: right. You have other friends, but they're very, like, superficial friendships, right? Like, for the most part. Yeah, they're like not, a, like, deep. Like,
1: a acquaintancy. So
0: when we talk about, like, the fact that we were forming a really close bond for years and years and years before I was able to stop and realize, like, how important this relationship had become to both of us. Both are very, don't let anybody else in. And while I had let some other people in, those were people that were safe for me to develop relationships with because they were on the internet. My other two closest friends exist in my phone on the internet. So when you came along... I filled a void for you first, and I saw myself filling that void, and I thought that that's why you kept me around. And then when you kept coming around and we started getting closer and closer, the time that we were spending with each other...
1: Beginning, or sorry, the end of 2016, but really probably the early part of 2017.
0: Was there more time on the table for me at that point? Like, if I had decided, like, I could have made more time for you, would you have spent more time with me then?
1: Absolutely.
0: So I was really just like, I was, I had no idea. Now I want to point out that I don't think any version of me from anywhere up until 2020, the dividing line about me and my ability to like know and feel love starts in 2020. So anything from the past, I feel like we can be compassionate and forgiving about because I had actually, I don't think any real capacity to feel safe and belonging and and love until after 2020. I feel bad that you felt bad that I didn't like, that I was late to the party.
1: Yeah, I, I think I always assumed that was really weird.
0: But it wasn't about you.
1: Well, I was talking to um, Maverick earlier and then he was like, oh, what are you gonna talk about? And like, I was doing a few key points And then I was like, oh, and also another mind-blowing thing that she didn't realize I was a special someone until last year. After eight years of friendship?
0: (laughs) You have always been very special to me. But I always feel like in all of my relationships, it's not just with you, I have a tendency to assume that I care more in all of my relationships. Why is that? Couple things. One, because it is hard for me to physically embody the feeling of being loved. Love is not an emotion, but the things that make me feel love, like security and safety and belonging, are very hard to come by. So when I love someone, it's easy for me to be like, yeah, I love this person. I have like affection for them, I want to see the best for them, I want to like grow in life with them, like you know, have a, a a place to witness their life. That's really easy because it's happening in my head, so I know what's happening. But from the outside, looking in, because trauma, this feelings of safety and security and belonging I didn't have those when I was like developing my emotional world as a child. I was always in danger. And the only way to feel loved by the people around me was to feel like they weren't bothered by me. So most of my life I've walked around just glad that the people who hang out with me aren't bothered by me. And when it has come to relationships with like, men specifically desire and love get very confusing in my body and as a teenager being desired felt like being loved and that's when you're learning all of these things and so I've always just felt very confused about what love or not what love feels like but what being loved feels like but after like eight years with you, I just kept getting weirder and weirder, and I just (laughs) kept letting you see more and more of all of my weirdness, and like, you ate it up. You were there for it. You kept showing up, and as a matter of fact, the weirder I got, the better friends we became. So...
1: I don't think I realized how weird I was until (laughs) you got weirder. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> you mean my weird encouraged your weird?
1: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Weird is contagious.
0: I don't know if weird is contagious, but showing your weird off is definitely contagious. Being fake, but feeling safe—it's all about feeling safe and and belonging. It's all about feeling like you belong, so that if you feel like you belong, you don't feel like you're going to be like rejected or kicked out of the tribe for showing your weird. And there's just like a small handful of people who I have been able to show my weird to. And those people have known me for extended periods of time. In my head, I was already there. I knew that there were people that cared about me. I could write them down on a piece of paper and I could like identify that these people come through for me on time and again. I know that I have friends. Mm -hmm. But like the actual feeling of being loved and not alone in this world was not something that I was familiar with so everything that we built up until 2020 was a foundation it almost feels like showing up and going through the motions for myself I wasn't actually allowing myself to see the fullness of what was happening and I have been telling you all week that an indicator for me of how much I like someone is how much time I'm willing to give them And when I turn that back around and recognize it for what it is, which is the indicator of love for me is how much time someone wants to spend with me. That's where you rise to the top. That's why I think I finally got it. Because you put in like real deals amount of time. And I think after I moved, like you put in the time over a long time. I think I woke up in 2020 and I realized that you were who you were. Like, you put in the time, and you were there to save me, and then I moved away.
1: Well, I think one thing that I'm just now realizing is, like, we we lived, like, very far apart in Houston, and I've known you now for eight years, and in that time frame, I've only been to your house once.
0: Sean, you don't realize that I am as, like... The walls for me as are as high for me as they are for you. I just have had 15 years to add a few true blue friends to the package, whereas you're 30 and your walls are still just as high and you don't let anybody else in either. Bitch, I don't let anybody else into my house. I... When I am alone in my house, I am safe. Mm -hmm. When I was a child, when I was, like, growing up, if I was alone and my mother wasn't home, I wasn't getting my ass beat. I was safe. Alone feels safe to me. Anybody in my space that doesn't feel safe to me, I don't want them. So that's why I can handle you now, and I couldn't handle you then, because you didn't feel safe enough. Now, you're the only person I want in my space. So (laughs) I really think that I don't know how to feel love when there is a sexual component to it. I don't know how to find safety in anything that has that that has a sexual component to it. So with that having been off limits from the very moment we met, it was never a it was never a consideration and you wanted to spend a ridiculous amount of time with me anyway.
1: I mean, we bonded over like a lot of things but like one of those main things was fucking food
0: yeah and without wondering like does he like me like that is this gonna be that kind of relationship so like all of the shit that goes along with like does this person only want to hang out with me because of sex went off the window and we got to like literally enjoy the shit out of everything that we did one of the things that we talked about earlier was like why we don't fight we've never had a fight but
1: Mm, we did last night
0: was that a fight yeah like it wasn't
1: a fight but a little like baby shot on the inside like felt like it was like a little bit of a fight like my parents were scolding me
0: did you feel like i was scolding you
1: i think it was just like um probably the way you said what you were saying that it hurt and then you were crying and i was like oh shit I shouldn't
0: have said that. Wow. Okay. And that's where we're going to leave part one. What Sean is calling a fight, not fight, I'm calling an existential crisis. But whatever you call it, we got it recorded. When we pick up on part two, you'll actually get to hear me completely disassemble and reassemble one of my identities. And in part three, you'll actually see why this unraveling was critical to this project moving forward. We thank you for joining us on Everybody Needs a Natalie, and we hope that you will join us again for the next installment.